likely heard the phrase, the old saying, that to not forgive is to drink poison hoping the other person will die. Have you heard that phrase before? Yeah. And it's one of those, like, it's just, it's so true. To not forgive is to drink poison and hope the other person will die. And so I'm going to invite you this morning, as a part of our becoming whole, I'm going to invite you to say, you know what, I'm not going to drink that poison anymore. Because it actually is having a destructive effect on me. And again, going back to this, like we wonder why we struggle. We wonder why we have these internal, uh, yeah, just anxieties and all of that. Um, but we haven't done the soul work. We just kind of gloss over, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, whatever. But why am I feeling this way? Why am I reacting this way? But we haven't done that soul work. Inviting God, inviting the Holy Spirit into these areas of our lives. So my whole life, to be honest, I've, I've kind of told myself that unforgiveness isn't an issue for almost all of my life. I've prided myself that there's not a single person I don't believe that I wouldn't walk up to and under normal circumstances shake their hand and, and smile and have warm chit-chat. And that's something I've, uh, I guess, unfortunately, pride is, pride is often a downfall. And I've, I've prided myself in that. And then, in the last year or so, God's been convicting me of that, revealing a different story. And as God spoke to me, I'm like, really? Ah, shoot. Yeah, I guess you're right, God, that I can, I can kind of have that veneer, but still have this undercurrent of bitterness, this undercurrent of feeling ill toward certain people in my life, even though every single one of them I would walk up to, shake their hands, smile, and treat them warmly. There's no one I hate, but there are people that I don't feel real warmly toward, and God's been showing me that. He's been revealing how often do I snarl or I feel like this disgust kind of rising up in me when I see, and it's, it's been one, actually one particular person that God's revealed this to me in regard to over the past year, and when I see activity rise up on social media um, in their life, and how often do I feel this like disgust down low under the radar, I'd never admit it. But it's there, and God's showing that to me. How often do I actually wish that their life endeavors would flounder rather than be successful? How often do I assume the worst in terms of their intentions? Like, oh, they just want this, or this is what they, this is what they really are going for. All the while, I say, I don't have any unforgiveness in my life. I'd shake anybody's hand. Or now with COVID, at least smile at them from a distance. Smile with my eyes from a distance. <laughs> and God's kept kind of showing me this. And God's been saying, I'm pretty sure you got stuff to deal with here. And God's pointed out, you know what? Like, you might not have even recognized it, but the last time you were in a social event where this person was going to be there before you went, you were hoping this person wouldn't be there. And God pointed that out, and I was like, oh. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Even though I don't hate this person, even though I would greet them warmly, chit-chat, whatever, I was hoping that I wouldn't see this person in that social setting. Unforgiveness. The Holy Spirit's been revealing 
how sinful that I really am. Um, so that's been hard, but it's also been exciting. It's also been exciting that God's showing me this stuff, and I think it can be exciting for you when God shows you this stuff, because this is the journey to becoming more whole. Because this poison in my heart has actually been disrupting my spiritual life with God without me even realizing it. And so it's exciting that if I can grow to stop drinking that poison, if I can grow to get rid of this unforgiveness in my life um, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I, I can be healthier. I can be in a better spot. And the Holy Spirit's been revealing this to me as I have been kind of journaling and reading through uh, this book, our series Becoming Whole, is we're kind of working with this book, Soul Care, and using this fellow Rob, Rob Reamer as a guide through various scriptural principles and how he examines them and how he, um, yeah, how he interprets them. So we've been using this as a guide as I've been reading and journaling through it. God's been showing me this where there is this undercurrent of disdain and bitterness in my life. So, lots of work to do. We're in this Becoming Whole series. I've been saying three things every single week. Can anybody remember any of those three things? Here's the test. Does anybody remember one of those three things I've been saying every week? This preaching isn't going to change your life. This preaching is not going to change your life. Thank you, Dennis. Shock of all shocks. <laughs> you walk out of here and do nothing with what I've shared with you, you're not going to get any further than when you sat down this morning. This is only an introduction. This is an opening up the door and saying, hey, is this work you need to do? So I want you to consider that. Whether it's through using this book as a guide or other means, this isn't going to change your life. It's an invitation to address it further. The second piece, anybody else remember what the others, any of the others are? I'm on this journey with you. I'm not preaching from a place of being super spiritually and emotionally healthy. Uh, I'm on this journey with you. And the third piece, this is a part of a broader theme that the elders have kind of been working with and discerning in terms of intimacy with God and spiritual health being a part of that. And so there will be ways over the next year or two that we're going to invite you deeper into this. So this morning, we're going to be working off of two scripture passages, Matthew 18, 21 to 35, and then Luke 17, 1 to 10. Truth be told, Scripture does not mince words when it comes to forgiveness. It doesn't. Scripture reveals that if we walk in unforgiveness, we are living in very dangerous territory. It's one of those things where, like, ah, we try to, you know, some things you can kind of nuance and interpret different ways if you want or whatever. And this is just super clear. Jesus doesn't mince words. You are in danger of eternal destruction if you're walking with unforgiveness. And uh, so I was looking at Luke 17, and, and Reamer's book here actually kind of, he interpreted it in a very different way that really opened my eyes to this, this idea. And, and so looking at Luke 17, you can turn there if you want. Luke 17. So Jesus is sitting with his disciples. Verse 3, it says, If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive. You must forgive. And so the disciples listen to this. Okay, so we got to keep offering forgiveness over and over and over again. And they're like, hold on. 
they're not so sure about this. What's the very next thing that they say? And I've never held these two together until kind of Reamer kind of exposes to me. I've never held these together. Next verse, the, the apostles say, the disciples, Lord, increase our faith. And he talks about faith as small as a mustard seed. I'd never held these two sections together. Basically, the disciples are saying, forgive somebody that many times. We can't do that. We need more faith to be able to do it. Okay, so we need God's help. Move on to the next section. Fascinating what's being said in this text here. Starting in verse 7 then. So Jesus says he just needs a small amount of faith. Verse 7. Jesus says, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? And after that you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? And the, the assumed response is no. In verse 10, so you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants, we have only done our duty. What's Jesus saying about forgiveness here? What Jesus is saying to his disciples, he's saying you don't need more faith to do this. You've got all the faith that you need. You just need to do your duty. I'd never fit that together, eh? It's fascinating. If you forgive somebody, it's nothing special. It's nothing particularly noteworthy. It's your duty as a follower of Jesus. So you're not going to get high fives. You're not going to get a special thank you. It's just what you're supposed to do. You don't need more faith. You need to decide, I'm going to do the work of forgiveness. Super interesting. We, gotta, you know, we, we pull these sections and we look at them individually, but putting them together, what's the whole piece of what Jesus was saying here? And Reamer sums it up well. He says, forgiveness is a matter of obedience, not a matter of more faith. Forgiveness is your responsibility and your choice, not God's responsibility. God's already given you all the faith you need for it. Forgiveness is the duty of a faithful follower made possible by the grace that he or she has received. You have to choose to forgive. You have to choose to release people from your debt. You have to determine not to get even, not to hold on to a grudge. It is the duty of the servant of a cross-bearing Savior. If you don't like that, if I don't like that, then I need to wrestle with the reality. Then why does Jesus put this section about a dutiful servant only doing their duty immediately after he calls them to forgiving over and over and over again? So why do we forgive? Well, the first piece is because we're forgiven. We are a forgiven people. Matthew 18, this is a well-known, you know what, if you're preaching on forgiveness, this is a text you go to. The guy who owed a debt of like 10 million bucks. I'm just throwing numbers out there, but a crazy amount, 10 million bucks. He can't pay it. He pleads for mercy, and his, the fellow he owed the money to is like, all right, I forgive you. I release you. You're fine. You're good. Walks away. Comes across another guy. This other guy owes him 100 bucks. The guy can't pay that 100 bucks. He pleads for mercy, and the fellow says, no, 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 you're going to jail until you can pay it all back. Can you imagine? Like, that's just ridiculous. Just, like, who would, we sit here, like, I would never do that. How could you do that? Someone forgives you for 10 million bucks, and then you hold the guy down the street responsible for the 100 bucks that he owes you? Who would do that? And yet it's an apt parallel for when we walk in unforgiveness. 
We have chosen life apart from the ways of God. A day doesn't go by in which I'm not disobedient, in which I don't sin against God. He paid an incredible price to pay for that sin. He didn't have to. He died. A terrible death. So I could be forgiven. And then Buddy over here looked at me sideways. This person over here spoke ill of me. And yet I'm going to hold that grudge the rest of my life. All the while saying, thank you so much God for forgiving me. It doesn't make sense. And it's the very same way as if you were forgiven 10 million bucks and held your neighbor responsible for 100 bucks. Why do we forgive? Because we are a forgiven people. There's someone in my life whom I've held a grudge for a long time because they've been sort of um, demeaning to me over many years. I would say, yeah, just, uh, I would say diminishing, demeaning, not afraid to order around, dismissive. And there's definitely points where I've carried out bitterness and made comments to others around me about this other individual. And that's just not, it's not right. It doesn't make sense for this one person who's hurt me when I so readily accept the forgiveness of God. A lifetime of sin against him, and yet he keeps day after day after day pouring out his mercy. So why do we forgive? Because we've been forgiven. The second piece is because when we walk in unforgiveness, it gives Satan a foothold. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27 say, In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Unforgiveness and anger are very closely related. It gives the devil a foothold, a position of strength. And actually, if you look at the text, foothold is like a space to be, a space to dwell. You give him place in your life, and then he can wreak havoc. And it goes back to that quote earlier of it's like drinking the poison giving Satan the opportunity, and he will gradually turn your heart cold when you walk in unforgiveness. I don't want, Satan's got enough, <laughs> he causes me enough trouble. I don't want to give him more access to my life. So the next piece, how do I forgive? So it's great, we know we need to forgive. I don't, I don't know if there's anybody here who's going to argue like, oh yeah, I don't need to forgive. But it's hard, right? Forgiveness is hard. So we're going to ask the question, how do I forgive? How do I do this? And I do believe that in this book, Rob Reamer has some excellent advice. I'm going to put it out there. We ran out of copies, got another stack out there. Grab it on your way out. They're 20 bucks a piece. Just an excellent, excellent guide for working through and applying these scriptural principles. So the first one, remember God's grace. If you're struggling with forgiveness, take some time. Journal. You know what? Write out. Here are the 10 horrible things I've done in the last week. Here are the 10 things, the 10 ways I treated this person, that person, thought about this person, the 10 things I thought about, write them out and then dwell on the grace of God and how he's forgiven you and set you free. So rest in, celebrate, dwell on the grace of God. Second piece is pray blessings over the person that you're struggling to forgive. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 28 say, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. When someone mistreats you, what's, our, what's your impulse? To think poorly of them and tell somebody else, right? Brittany, did you, can you believe what someone, ah, I can't believe they said that. My impulse is not to pray for them. But Jesus asks us to pray for them. 
It might not feel sincere at the start. Have you heard that saying, fake it till you make it? This is an example where you need to fake it till you make it. And I've, I have experienced that. Of like, I'm praying for somebody. I'm like, oh my goodness, like my heart's not in this at all. Like I'm just throwing words out there that I know I'm supposed to do. But I have seen, as I, as I have seen, like as I've kind of worked at that, my heart beginning to shift. And Rob Reamer says that if you do what God asks you to do, He will do what you can't do. He will change your heart. And he also says, when I pray blessings on those who sin against me, I simply pray for all of the good things I want in my life for them. So whether your heart's in or not, you can ask God. You can say, God, I pray that you give them health. God, I pray that you surround them with love. God, I ask that you'd encourage them today, that your presence would be so real to them. I pray that their family would prosper, their business would prosper. There, Just pray the, the things you hope for in your life, just pray that over that person. And whether you're sincere or not, God can change your heart and God will respond to those prayers. That's a huge step. Pray for those who mistreat you. The third piece is to remember that forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness is not just a one-time act. It's not something you do one day and then you're good to go. There's ups and there's downs. So you're going to need to process through the work of forgiveness. Friday morning, I saw something on social media with someone I'm struggling to forgive, and it, it triggered this stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, God, I thought I was further along in this forgiveness journey than I, than I am. So you just got to keep at it. Keep at it. Take it back to God. Ask for help. And decide to forgive. And it, yeah, in that moment, I was discouraged because I thought I was further along. So I prayed God's blessings in that moment over this person because this stuff's kind of fresh in my mind this week. I prayed God's blessings over that person. I texted two of my good friends that I'm journeying through this stuff with. I texted them. And I was like, hey, I'm struggling with unforgiveness. I'm kind of discouraged about this, whatever. And, and just it helped to put it out there. And they kind of encouraged me and told me to press on and whatnot. Um, so remember it's a process and oftentimes it's because you're discovering the layers oh, okay so Reamer says forgiveness can feel like a process at times it's like an onion I think Diane referenced this in her poem did you reference an onion? yeah in your poem it's like an onion and it comes off in layers it can be a little disheartening to someone who thinks that they've already worked through forgiveness only to feel resentment arise again sometimes forgiveness feels like a process but we're not aware how deep the hurt goes so I can forgive once I think I'm good to go but then something triggers it it's like oh man that hits me deeper than I than I realized Fourth, sometimes with forgiveness, boundaries are necessary. It's an important key to remember. Please know that to forgive is not to pretend that nothing happened. It's not to say it doesn't matter. It's not to say it's okay. It's not to pretend that nothing happened. The purpose of forgiveness is not to make yourself more vulnerable to somebody who could hurt you again or someone who continues to hurt you. If someone keeps harming you physically, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, if someone keeps harming you, you need to put up that protective barrier to protect yourself. Forgiveness is not to make yourself more vulnerable or even in a really toxic friendship where you wouldn't say it's necessarily abuse, but it's just constant. It does make sense to put up a boundary. You can have that boundary while you're still praying for that person, when you're still not holding that grudge. Reamer says, when you, when you are deeply loved by God, you don't allow people to run over you. 
My, my knowing that I'm saved, that I'm loved, that I'm God's kid, that strength of identity allows me to put up that barrier and say, this is who I am. I want the best for you, but here's this fence because I can't keep getting hurt over and over. I'm scraping the surface with all this stuff. And dig deeper, and I'll just keep plugging this book because I, th I think it's a super helpful guide to dig into that topic some more. And the fifth piece, remember that God is redemptive. Remember that God redeems situations. He makes things new. So if you're struggling with forgiveness, remember that God can change your story. God can change the story of the person who's hurt you. This book is like chuck full of stories of people who's God, who God's redeemed. Turn their lives around one after another after another people. Paul, Peter, Joseph, Jacob, David. All of these characters whose God, whose lives God has redeemed. Pause and think of the people around you who you've seen significant life change for them. Remember that, celebrate it, and believe that God can do that in your life and the person you're struggling to forgive. Romans 8.28, often quoted verse, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. God is working for your good. God can work for your good. So when you're struggling with forgiveness, hold on to those promises. Forgiveness is a choice that you need to make. Have you been making excuses? It's time to stop making excuses. Have you been saying it's too hard? It hurts too much? It's time to stop saying it hurts too much. It's time to decide, I am going to forgive. I'm going to let go of grudges. I'm going to let go of bitterness. I'm going to let go of anger. And it's time to start making these steps. Doing the work of forgiveness. Because again, it's not easy. If it was easy, we wouldn't have to preach about it. <laughs> right? It's not easy. But it's what God has called us to do. And if you commit yourself to these steps, you can begin working at it. Again, totally scraping the surface of this. Um, probably not doing justice to the topic, but I want to invite you into that part of the journey. Because as I mentioned earlier, so often, like, God, why do I feel this way? Why am I struggling? Why am I not close to you? Why does my life feel upside down? And this is one of those pieces that our life's in turmoil, but we got this unforgiveness that we won't deal with. And we have no right to say, God, why is my life in turmoil? When over here, I won't deal with this. No right. And so the Holy Spirit's inviting us into that. So forgiveness is a choice that you need to make. God has given you what you need. Now you need to simply begin the work. Because this journey of unforgiveness is what God expects of you. It's part of your duty as a Jesus follower. So Reamer concludes, he says, you have to let the person off the hook. That person. Let them off the hook. And entrust yourself and that person to God. Let that person off the hook. You can't change it. Entrust them to God. Entrust yourself to God. So a couple of reflection questions. I'll send them out later today again. Free to work through this week. Number one, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal every person you need to forgive. 
write down all the names. Like I said, I prided myself that I didn't have unforgiveness in my life, and then God's kind of reviewing this, like, one or two people, and then I sit there, and I start thinking, who are all the people that I have ill will, Ill will toward that hurt me in some way? I'd smile, I smile at them on a regular basis, but there's this inside me that's just like, ah, oh. and all of a sudden, my, my list got longer than I care to admit. <laughs> Ask the Holy Spirit. Take some space to do that. Second, consciously choose to release these people from your debt. This is a decision that you need to make. It's a commitment that you need to make. Number three, pray blessings on each one until you sense that you are free from resentment. Write their name on your prayer list. You might be praying for them for six months until you feel that release. Or maybe it's a week. Fake it till you make it. And then commit to a life of forgiving others and settling for nothing less. And then I invite you to pray with me, kind of our theme prayer for this. I invite you to hold out your hands if you wish. Lord, I'm willing to change, but I don't know how to change. There are deep-seated things inside of me that are broken, and I can see that. The problem is I don't know what they are. I don't know what the roots are, and I don't know how to change them. I need your help. Can you lead me to a path of change? God, in conclusion, we thank you for your mercy. Your mercy is so rich. We don't know the half, the half of it in terms of how much you've had to forgive us for. So we come confessing that our hearts are dark, and we ask, God, that you would guide us in this journey. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you administer to every person here, that if someone's really struggling with this and says, I can't, I can't forgive, I've tried, I, I just can't, I pray that you would speak to them and encourage them. I pray that our hearts would be ready to receive your word and the conviction of your spirit. And God, together right now, as we, so I invite you to picture someone that you need to forgive in your mind right now. God, we pray the fullness of your blessings over these people. We pray that their lives would flourish. We pray that they would find deep joy. That they would have wonderful, loving relationships around them. That they would succeed and that they would thrive. That they would flourish in whatever they commit their hands and their minds and their hearts to. We pray that you would restore relationships. We pray that you'd bring your kingdom. Bless these individuals, we pray. Thank you, God, for your mercy and forgiveness, for it is rich, it is wide, it is deep. Amen. I'm going to finish up. Thank you very much for being here today. Just a reminder to physical distancing, sanitize your hands on the way out. And I always forget this. I've been told that with our, with our giving, that giving is a little bit higher on the Sundays when we mention it because we don't have an offering time. I always forget. But uh, just for those who are regular participants, remember to be making that a regular practice, whether it's on the plate, your way out, digital forms. Uh, we invite you to continue to financially participate in the ministry of God through this church. There you go. All right.